Um, okay, so just introduce myself. Um, I've recently joined Oxford. Um, I'm a member of the Oxford Martin School and also the Department of Materials. And my, my research area is, is cracks. I, I break things. Uh, and I study how things break. Uh, and that has quite an importance in the energy industry. I'm not going to cover that um, in the talk I'm going to run through now. What I'm going to talk about is um, where, where does our energy come from? And what are the drivers in energy? Uh, and it's, it's the material I put together um, for my first lecture course, um, which I did to the undergraduates. Um, and I had to do a lot of reading, a lot of thinking. I actually learned quite a few things I didn't really know. So hopefully there'll be some interesting things here. Uh, I'm going to cover, first of all, you know, what do we use all this energy for? Everyone's talking about energy and CO2 and so on. So let's think, what do we use energy for? Uh, and where does our energy come from? There's a lot of focus on electricity because that's one of the most obvious uses of energy. And I want to dig into that a little bit. Um, then talk about some of the things which drive energy supply and drive the strategy for energy supply, um, which I touched on here, and some of my conclusions. But the idea is to have a, an open talk. The sun's there because ultimately that's where our energy comes from. Nuclear energy, okay, that comes from other suns, um, but ultimately our energy does come from the suns. So I put that there to remind ourselves. Um, we use an awful lot of energy, uh, and we get it from all sorts of different sources. And I'm going to go a bit more depth about what these sources are. We use an awful lot. There are lots of different forecasts, but all of them show a, a rising trend. Now, what's going to happen in the future, which way that trend will go, is going to be interesting, but currently trends are rising. I'm going to be throwing in these slides uh, lots of different units. That's one of the big problems when you start digging into energy, what units to have. Um, the default one I'm tending to use is millions of tons of oil, okay? And we use an awful lot. Every year, around about now, we use about 12,000 million tons of oil. We invite you to think how big a volume that is, how many tons of oil you fit inside this lecture theatre. So what do we use it for? Loads of stuff, okay? Mostly moving things, heating things, and making things. A little bit for powering widgets like this, okay, and heating and so on. Uh, and we lose a bit of it, particularly electricity, but we use an awful lot. This is the UK per capita consum consumption. I'll, I'll show some figures, and I'm sure those will later um, on figures. The book I recommend um, is the book on sustainable energy by Mackay, David Mackay. It's a very reasonable book, and some of the figures and information will come from that text. Um, now, electricity, because we all think about electricity, is actually a fairly small fraction of the energy we use. Um, these are the figures for the world consumption. And some of us use more than others. The blue figure is the world average. Uh, UK is higher than world average. The US is well above world average. And China is well below at the moment. But there's some interesting trends within those data, which I'm sure Nick and Brenda will touch on. What do we use these different forms of energy for? Electricity. What do we use electricity for? Well, currently, we don't use very much of it for transport. We use most of it with industry and quite a lot within our homes, um, running buildings, things like that. If we want to reduce the amount of electricity we use, we've got to focus into these particular areas. Where do we get our electricity from? So focusing on electricity at the moment, which, remember, is a fairly small fraction of all the energy we use. Where do we get most of it from? We get it mostly from burning fossil fuels of which coal and gas and oil are quite significant. And what's likely to happen in the future? Again, there are forecasts, and there are forecasts, but these are um, forecasts from fairly reliable um, sources. Expectations in the next few decades is we will continue to use a lot of oil and coal and gas, and the amounts we will use will increase. 
And just to summarize what we've talked about there, okay, we use an awful lot of energy, about 12,000 million tons of oil equivalent. Where does it come from? About two-thirds, less than two-thirds oil and gas, about less than a third from coal. We use it mostly for heating and moving stuff, and we use some of it for electricity. And electricity is, as I said earlier, a fairly small amount, about 12% or thereabouts. And where does that come from? Mostly comes from coal and gas. If we're going to change the amount of energy we use, we've got to target these different areas. It's no good just focusing on electricity for lighting, for heating, if you want to shift the whole figure. It's important, it's worthwhile doing, but there's a big lump of energy that we use. So what covers, what changes, or what drives our energy supply strategy? Well, one key thing, of course, is security of resources. We like to be sure the lights go on when we press the switch. We like to be sure we'll be heated in the winter. So let's look at our major fuel sources. What do we use those for? If we lose that source of energy, what's it going to impact on? If we want to change the effects of that energy, how do we, what's, what are we going to do? Well, oil, okay, fairly obvious. We use oil mostly for transportation. Fairly important in industry, but mostly use it for moving stuff because oil is a very dense energy source. It's easily transportable, easily, easily moved, easily carried with us in a vehicle. Where does it come from? Fairly obviously, certain countries are quite important. We've got Saudi Arabia at the top. Uh, important for oil, but at the rate we're using, it's going to run out in about 80 years, if you believe these figures. Canada, fairly high figure. That's largely oil shells, things like that. So as you move down, look at the list of countries... Um, they're all quite important in terms of politics and geostability. That's why oil is very, very important. What about gas? Gas normally find where we find oil. And as you might expect, we use gas mostly for heating. We don't use it for transport in a serious amount, um, and so on. So gas also extremely important alongside with oil. Where does gas come from? Well, gas, again, generally comes from the places we get our oil from. And geography and world politics, therefore, are very important in oil and gas supply. If you live close to the border with Russia, you might be worried about the pipeline, things like that, because if you're reliant on gas, those pipelines are easily turned off. About coal. Coal's a little bit more interesting. Um, coal, mostly used for heating and electricity generation. Coal is not that transportable. In fact, it's mostly used where it is mined. We do transport coal around the world, but it's mostly used where it's mined. And if we want to see why the forecasts show that coal will continue to be important, we just look at where is the coal. Um, you might not be able to read these figures, because the slide's a bit small, but um, over here, oops, over here on the left, find a pointer. You've got the USA, black figure is coal. Here you've got the former USSR. Here you've got China. Here you've got India. These are the countries with very, very large coal reserves. It would be surprising if they don't continue to use that coal. Um, and if we look at what's likely to happen in terms of where the coal is and where the countries are developing, we can expect coal use to increase substantially in the future. And that will have some interesting effects. Um, touching on nuclear, because of course nuclear is very important in the current debate. Um, nuclear's had a heyday back in the sort of 60s and 70s. We built an awful lot of nuclear power stations, and around the world there's about 440-ish power stations, um, mostly in America and France. They're getting old. Yeah? Uh, this is basically a plot of how old they are. Um, and most nuclear power stations last about 30, 40 years. Um, there are plans for them making it lasting longer. People talk about 60 years, 80-year lifetimes. But realistically, the plants we have now will stop operating after 30, 40 years. So quite a few of them are going to shut down in the next 10, 15 years. So nuclear is either going to have a brief flurry and be finished, 
or there'll be some kind of renaissance and we'll build some more. And it's very interesting to know or to think about what we might build in the future. But nuclear is not that important. Yet we use it to generate electricity, and electricity is a fairly small amount of the energy we use. So it's not going to solve the problem. It's just a forecast of how you might, what you might expect to build in time in terms of nuclear power stations. The pale green is the most optimistic predictions. Uh, the, low, the dark green is the lower end of the predictions. And the blue is basically what we've done in the past. And that amount of energy generation is not very significant compared to what we need. So just to summarize what I've said, oil and gas, important to you. We, knew, we know that. It's because we use a lot of them very much. Um, Coal is less strategic because we tend not to ship it around a lot, but where the coal is, it's probably going to be used. And coal and oil and gas are all greenhouse generating. So what's going to happen in the future? Well, we know the world is going to change. Where do we use our energy? Well, this is a NASA shot of the Earth one night, and you can see where we use the energy. It's mostly in the developed world. But we know where the world is developing, and we know what they would like to do. They deserve the lifestyle that we have. So what's going to happen to your energy needs? What's going to happen to population? Um, whatever statistics you, you want to take, populations tend to grow, have been growing. And this is a rather interesting figure. I don't know if you read the text. Again, this is the figure from McKay. It's basically a plot of um, GDP per head against the amount of energy we use. And by and large, as we get richer, we use more energy. And we can therefore expect to use more energy in the future as our population grows, as our countries become richer. <coughs> Behind all this, of course, is climate change. We haven't really got time to go into details of climate change. We can talk about it in the conversation. Um, but it's interesting to look at where do we produce CO2 or greenhouse gases. And as you might expect, it goes with where we produce and use energy. Uh, the USA produces an awful lot of greenhouse gases per, per capita. The less developed countries produce less. But that'll change. This graph will shift towards the left. And where do greenhouse gases come from? Well, most of it is energy. Some of it's from methane and agricultural work and things like that. Some of it's nitrous oxides, but by and large, it's energy is the driver for CO2. And yeah, we know this, um, but we don't do very much about it, that energy use is going to increase, and most of energy comes from fossil fuels. Fossil fuels, we've got a lot of them still, so we'll probably carry on using them unless we change what we're doing. So, 21st century, we have the time to make some choices. There are things we can do. Um, do we move towards a carbon-free society? Well, we know that's expensive. It's a choice we have to make. How much are we prepared as a society to pay to move towards a carbon-free society? Do we go part way? Do we compromise? Is it going to be enough? What consequences can we live with? Um, do we say, oh, let's keep on producing the CO2 and uh, put it somewhere? Yeah? There are ideas on that. Um, how far evolved are they? Are they really practical for the amount of energy which we will continue to use in the future? Or do we do nothing? There are those who believe that what, you know, CO2 emissions and so on are having no real effect. It's an interesting question. We can talk about that. But one day, fossil fuels will run out, guaranteed. A few generations more, we will run out. We will use them all, and we'll have to make some serious choices. Um, so, concluding the main things I want to say, um, are, we will need more energy in the future. Let's do something about it. Where energy is, how available it is, is very important in global politics. Um, we need long-term energy supplies, either sustainable, or they might have to increase, depending on what, what choices we make. And there is real pressure to develop energy sources which do reduce the amount of CO2 that we, we, we emit. And where do we target? Where should we target? 
We'll look at where most of the energy is used, and energy produces CO2, it's transport and heating. Um, Fields will bear with me just for two minutes, so I'll just, just touch on this. Um, what are our choices for producing energy in the future? These are the kind of things which are available to us. Up in the left, uh, anyone who drove in here will probably come past Didcot, a very large power station. Uh, we've got wind, we've got size well-being, nuclear power station, um, all the various forms. And what I tried to indicate on this is roughly how much energy you get from each of these. Size is quite big. It produces 3.5 gigawatts of energy. Uh, fusion plants, if and when we build them, the, demonstration, or the, the, the expected size is around about a gigawatt, and most big power stations are around about a gigawatt. Renewables are much smaller. They do tend to be much smaller. And if we look at what you could produce in terms of gigawatts from various types of power source, this is the maximum energy. Over on the left, we've got the seven barrage, if you built the seven barrage. Then we've got Digcot, typical big coal power station, size well, typical nuclear station, typical fusion. And we've then got typical sizes of wind uh, or solar uh, power stations or wave, wave power stations, the expected sizes and, and so on. Now, of course, these aren't used all the time. And if we look at availability, which is described as load factor, basically how much of the time in a year you can expect the power station to be operating. Um, tidal systems, of course, only work when the tide's running, so they have a low availability. Most big power stations, coal, nuclear, and so on, are available around about two-thirds of the time. The other third of the time, you're doing maintenance, or they shut down, they've got problems. Most renewables, based on the figures available, are around about a quarter of the time. Okay? Um, and some others are a bit lower. If out of interest, you multiply those two together. That's how much energy you might expect to produce per year from these typical types of power station. Now, we need, or we use at the moment, this electricity, about six megawatt hours per year per person. To put into context, take the population of various places. Outer Hebrides, typical population, Oxford, Oxfordshire, and London. How many power stations do we need to power these places at our current consumption? Well, oops, sorry, skip that. What it shows you is most of the renewables at, the, at that size scale will be, will be fine for smaller communities. If we want to power large communities, we've got to do something very, very different in terms of the scale of these renewables. Most big power stations are around about big enough to provide, to provide power to a typical city. Um, London needs big cot, basically. If we're going to replace these power stations, these fossil power stations, with other forms... We're going to need an awful lot of them if we continue using energy at the rate we are doing so. Last point um, is how much CO2 do we produce per kilowatt hour? So, in a certain amount of energy, how much CO2 do we produce? These are figures from recent analysis, um, and they show, as you might expect, that wind, hydro, renewables are all very, very good. Oil, coal, and gas, or any form of carbon sequestration, are really terrible. Note the scale is a logarithmic scale. So every single unit is a, is a factor of 10. Uh, nuclear, if you believe the data, is not brilliant, but it's not as bad as the others. And this is just showing the uncertainties within these data. And this is the kind of things people are battling with now, making choices. You know, we, we have to balance how much CO2 we produce against how much energy we use, and we have to make some guesses and estimates on what are the costs. And one cost is CO2. So... Um, that's just there to remind me that if you take an oil-coal-powered power station, power London for a year, and look at the amount of CO2 and turn that CO2 into dry ice, it's a cube around about 300 square, sorry, 300 metres cubed. Um, that's the London Eye, little tiny blue thing. Okay? CO2 is big, unless we do something about it. Okay, so what do we think? All I think we need to think about is 
what would have the great, if we take global warming as the thing we have to deal with, what will have the biggest effect over the next century? Changing the way we generate our energy or using less of it? How do we cost energy? Is it just pounds per gigawatt hour or lives have lost, you know, lives lost because of the form of energy we use? And as a country, what should we do in the 21st century to support our needs? Okay, and with that, apologise for going on for five minutes extra, but thank you very much. I'll pass on to, to Nick. <laughs>